or something all at the same time it's kind oh, of cool. cool all right well that's, that's it for the show then that was the main <laughs> thing that like wizards was trying to do wake everybody up without their alarm clock yeah but like simultaneously oh right right they want everyone to spontaneously wake up simultaneously in the world in the world right world and that and that's the backstory awesome that's an interesting storyline yeah i know yeah and that's why you know and, and the eldrazi are from another planet so that's why they rise later Right. Because they don't, they aren't aware that the whole world right. is waking up except for them. It's about oversleeping, that's it. Rise of the Eldrazi is about oversleeping. Right, exactly. Right. It's about getting a warning at your job. <laughs> I'm glad that we know so much about magic. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, um, do you want to talk about every card? I just feel like it's, uh, this is what I'm going to go Let's, let's do this. Pick out the interesting ones. Let's do this. Um, we'll start at the top, and if a card is not interesting, we'll just go, okay, whatever. Okay. Um, so, let's start with Admonition Angel. Um, Admonition Angel is a 6-6 flyer. It's a mythic rare for a 3 white and 3 colorless creature angel. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may exile target non-land permanent other than Admonition Angel. When Admonition Angel leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled with it to the battlefield under their owner's control. Obviously a powerful card. Yes. Um, I don't think it's broken by any means. It is, uh, it's a 6-6 six, six flyer for 6, which is, at other, uh, other points in Magic's history, has been, would be very good. Um, just by itself, just that, the 6-6 six, six for 6. Flying. It doesn't die to Baneslayer, so that's right. a positive. It's true, it doesn't die to a Baneslayer. It's probably playing right alongside Baneslayer, but, uh, in most cases. But yeah, it's, um, it's got a really, obviously, a powerful ability. It's essentially Oblivion Ring with Landfall. Does that, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, uh, it's, uh, just non-land permanent, is that what it is? It's, uh, target non-land permanent right. rather than Admonition. So basically, every land you drop becomes an Oblivion Ring. Um, Be powerful in those Night of the Reliquary decks. Yeah, anything that can pump out a lot of lands at once, it's going to be pretty impressive. Uh, pretty impressive card. It's, but, uh, I don't know, in my mind, if I'm going for removal, I think I'd rather just play World Queller. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I like, like World Queller. I haven't, I have, I've got a set, I haven't worked them into a deck yet, but I plan on it. Yeah, World Queller is uh, an interesting card, too. And again, same thing as you said. Like, I think it's a great card, and I haven't really used it, but it, I think it's really neat. But Admonition Angel, I think it's going to be um, it's gonna be interesting to see what people come up with for that. I, I don't know if it's too expensive, um, you know, or does it pop right into, like, something like the Solar Flare deck, which has kind of been showing up. Um, if you haven't heard, it also happens to be the deck of the week, or the, yeah, the deck of the week on DailyMTG.com this morning. Um, is the new standard Solar Flare deck, which I've been playing for a couple weeks after I saw an article written by Terry So, um, 
on Star City Games. It's basically a, an Esper control deck that plays Rise of the Grave and Iona Shield of Ameria to uh, basically just uh, play Rise from the Grave on Iona and lock out your opponent's spells. So, I mean, does it show up right in there? I mean, it could, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the green-white decks that let you, you know, play a lot of lands on the, each turn and work with um, Rampage and Blaylots. Yeah, it would be interesting in a really uh, heavy landfall deck. but Maybe something with uh, Oracle of Moldiah, yeah. Yes, that, and uh, Night of the Reliquary. Right, but it dies to everything, so it's terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so join the ranks. Tell us what Join the is. ranks is an instant, costs one white and three. It's an uncommon. No, it's, I'm sorry, it's a common. My fault. I, I couldn't tell because, yeah, whatever. So it's a, it's a, it's a friggin' common... <laughs> Put two one one white soldier ally creature tokens onto the battlefield. So this card, as soon as I saw it, I thought of um, Raise the Alarm, which was from Mirrodin, right? Yeah. Uh, cost one white, one colorless, instant. Put two one one white soldiers onto the battlefield. The difference is this costs two more, but the soldiers are also allies in this case. And while if you're not playing an ally strategy, this card's terrible. If you are playing an ally strategy, you've got two flash creatures, essentially two flash allies. So if you've got anything such as, what is it, K Kabira Evangelist or Kabira Evangel, I don't know. Evangel. Remember. Yeah, he uh, gives, whenever an ally comes into play, uh, creature you control gain protection from the color of your choice until end of turn, isn't that right? Maybe. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that's the one. So, you know, you've got two allies coming into play, say, oh, I'll give them protection from black and from red or something. You know, you can technically do that. You can you can do a lot of tricks with join the ranks and pretty much any ally that you've got in play. Unless allies prove to be really freaking awesome, which there are a couple cool allies coming up in this next set, but at the same time, join the ranks on its own without allies. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. With allies, it could be interesting. Is it going to be in a tournament-level deck? Probably not. Right, it really depends on the strength of allies, but in, I think that card is really meant in, great. Yeah, in draft, that's what I was going to say. That's what it's really going to shine in, because people are already drafting allies. Drafting allies with join the ranks, uh, I mean, it's going to be pretty ridiculous. Mm. And, and then the next spoiler, we have Molten Chocolate Cakes with Vanilla Cream <laughs> Frache, Raspberry Coolies, and Nougatine two, I don't know how to pronounce this crap. It's uh, Tim's <laughs> Tim's top chef uh, screensaver. screensaver. <laughs> Just pop. It, it always it always really teases me when I'm hanging out over here and we're like drinking or something and like <laughs> and I'm like oh man chicken, chicken rigatoni, rigatoni with bell peppers oh my <laughs> goodness it's like really a tease but anyway um, kite sail apprentice is a core soldier one white it's a one one it's a common as long as it's equipped it gets plus one plus one it has flying what do you do whatever moving on. Core Firewalker. Now, this is one I really want to talk about. Okay. It's a 2-2. It costs 2 white. It's an uncommon. Creatures, core soldier, protection from red. Whenever a player casts a red spell, you may gain one life. Not like not only does it totally stop red deck wins, but it goes right into barely Boros or Boros. It's, it's yeah. Bushwhacker. <laughs> I had to give a little shout-out for those of us... Uh, in the Amazing Spiral crew who listen to the podcast. Bushwagger! It's very similar. Uh, I'm sorry, I just cut you off because I don't care. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please. I'm apparently not in the loop. No. Um, 
it's very similar to Ariok Champion, which was a 1-1 for two white, uh, protection from black and red. Whenever another creature comes into play, you may gain one life. It's from Fifth Dawn. Just reminded me a lot of that. Huh, I even forgot about that card. So yeah, this is a 2-2, obviously better already. Protection from red, not black. It's still fantastic, and whenever a red spell uh, is cast. Built-in you know. Dragon's Fang, or whatever the hell that card's called. Out. <laughs> Dragon's Claw. Dragon's Claw. If I had more than one, oh my god. <laughs> Why do I have one Dragon's Claw in because my whole collection? Bought any 10th edition. I bought, like, tons of uh, Dark Steel. I bought tons of... I had. I have tons. I have a t- stack of 10th edition this freaking high. It was an M10 you would own it. It is an M10. It is? I have one from 10th edition. Wow. I didn't know it was an M10. I'm like, I'm like blown away, but anyway. So, so go ahead about Core Firewalker. So I mean... Core Firewalker like has made Red Deck wins in standard and maybe even an extended almost like a, a moot strategy. I don't well, know. It, it is ex- double white. In yeah, extended... In, yeah, well, that's true. I mean, uh, Jun's not running it, but... With, like, red deck wins in standard especially, not so much in extended, but in standard, it's going to force people back into Boris Bushwhacker is what's going to do. Because you're going to need white to yeah. for the removal. You're not going to be... There's no answer to it in in standard. What about the uh, Blazing Torch? That's a good point. Yeah. Um, blazing uh, Torch is something I did not even consider. That's a very right, good point. It's the same thing. I mean, it's uh, Blazing... It costs one to play. Torch. It costs... I think two to equip, and it's tap and sacrifice blazing torch. Equipped creature can't be blocked by vampires or zombies. That's obviously the important part. Um, right. No, but yeah, it's cost one to equip and one one to cast, one to equip. Oh, okay. Equipped creature has tap and sacrifice blazing torch. Blazing torch deals two damage to target creature or player. So that's that is good. an answer for a for a red deck to play against. Uh, Against this, and maybe if we get Ghost Fire and Rise of the Eldrazi, we'll be all right too. <laughs> I was thinking, we'll see that. Well, that's the thing. Like I just built uh, Red Deck Wins um, in Extended last night, and I run Pyrite Spell Bombs in in anticipation of seeing a right. lot of this guy in, um, or even uh, the uh, whatever it was. Oriok Champion. No. Or what? I'm mean, saying because that's the Kithkin. Um. Oh yeah, with the oh the burns and forge tender. Burns and forge tender. Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm anticipating seeing more of those in extended as red decks start to like pop up everywhere in extended because people have been talking about some tournaments have had like 20 percent of the field be red decks in extended. Right, right. Um, so so I'm I've been I've been thinking of colorless options to deal with things like that. Right. And Ghostfire, of course, was another one on the short list. Mm-hmm. But I like Pyrite Spellbomb for the option to maybe cantrip on it if yeah. it's not necessary. Right, exactly. You know? I also even considered um, running uh, Sacrifice an Artifact, 5 damage target creature player. Oh, Shrapnel Blast? Shrapnel Blast, thank you. Um, I was thinking about running those, too, in case I didn't, like, I don't know. Because I'm running some things, and I also was thinking about running Relic of Progenitus in, in the deck as right, well. Right, so you'd be able to Shrapnel Blast with that. Right. Right. It's like, well, you know, it's there it's there against Dredge, and if not, it's five damage. Right. You know, I was considering that. I still might consider it, but for now, it's not there. Right. Except mostly because I spent 15 minutes You just don't have looking. a lot of uh, artifacts either, because, if, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to have a Shrapnel Blast, it's going to be a dead card. I don't want a dead card, right. Yeah. That's the main reason why I wound up going against it, but right. I also spent 15 minutes looking for my Relics of Progenitus before I put Ravenous Trap on my sideboard and just called it a night. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, moving on to the next deck. And um, so I feel like that's going to be a big factor. And, uh, I mean, also that 
card's going to slow Jun down a little bit, too, yeah, because, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of red cards. Right, in a lot of people were saying, can we just get Paladin and Vec back, uh, which was a 2-2, two, two, what, first strike protected from red, I think, for three? Something like that. I can't even remember. It was protected from red and from black. Okay, so that's exactly what... Uh, I think that's or exactly Silver what people were, were thinking of. Silver Knight would have been nice, too, but, I mean, here's this. So, yeah, it's a 2-2 two, two for two white and a colorless. First strike protection from black, protection from red. Right. So people were, were saying, can we get that? You know, that would help against Jund. And, you know, just in the format, like you said, Boros Bushwhacker, which, you know, has kind of uh, declined in popularity in favor of just all-in red, pretty much, you know, or like a, a red deck wins kind of strategy. Um, but, yeah, there's red is just very good right now, even as a supplemental color, with Lightning Bolt. Right, Control earthquake. is running. Yeah, exactly, right. Lightning Bolt, Earthquake, uh, Burst Lightning. Yeah, Mill and, I mean, Jace Raider and Dredge are the only two that aren't running red, aren't they? Um, even, well, even that, uh, even the Dredge deck has uh, one mountain in it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but it's, but that's mostly the, like, hard cast, the Sidraxis Spectres, if necessary, and right. things like that. Right. Okay. Eldrazi Green doesn't Run it. But, you know, the thing Keith is... Eldrazi red, Green right, runs he, red. His does, yes. But most Eldrazi <laughs> Greens don't. Right. I, I'm just saying, like, red is a good color right now, so we need something like this, so... That's it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a just good just card. Another... It, it, it scares the bejesus out of me, because I was really all about playing some mono red. I was enjoying yeah. that strategy, but now I'm like, ah, oh, i got to put my Bushwhacker deck back together now, I guess. Which isn't a bad strategy either, but it's now, just it's like... one card, don't let it scare you entirely out of a strategy because they might not draw it, they might not play it. Who in the hell knows? You know, you play against Dexter. Right, but all white. I'm saying is... White. You need something. Right, to... right. But I mean, I also kind of like the the Bushwhacker deck. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. I'm not saying detracting or, you know, I'm not right. recommending you don't play it. I'm just saying don't let it one card like this scare you entirely off of a strategy. Well, even. of course not. But yeah. once they draw it, it's going to slow me down right. a lot. You just got to keep it in mind for right. some way to deal with it. That's all. Right, and I'm going to deal with it with yeah. Path to Exile. Um, so, um, let's see. So let's go to Ruin Ghost, which is something I've really been wanting to talk about because I think that's an interesting card, too. Ruin Ghost is a 1-1 one, one spirit for a white and 1, and it is uncommon. Tap 1 white and tap it. Exile target land you control, then return it to the battlefield under your control. First of all... Is it another card that makes Valakut work better? And it's another card that makes Teetering Peaks a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it's a card that makes a lot of things a lot of fun and just kind of uh, bolsters landfall strategies right, entirely, all around. It's entirely for landfall. I mean, not entirely, I guess, but it's obviously landfall-licious. You know? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited to build around that card. That's yeah. the one card that I saw. I'm like, I'm going to do something well, you, with you're that. You're already excited about green-white landfall, and this just kind of adds to that. Right. It maybe solidifies it a little bit more than it, than it had been in the past. Yeah, an Admonition Angel with Ruin Ghost, I mean... Yeah. Like, uh... Actually, basically yeah, an like Admonition Angel, I will use Ruin Ghost to remove my Teetering Peaks from the game, bring it back into play, exile your Baneslayer Angel, swing for eight. Right. I mean, in, in the meantime, you've got Emiria Archangel. I mean, you can build, like, a mono-white kind of control deck, or mono-white landfall deck, really. Um, it would be interesting just to... Uh, Amiria, I've already been working on mono-white landfall. There you go. So, Emiria Archangel. Or Emiria Angel? Emiria Archangel? Emiria Angel. That's what it is. Why did I think it was Archangel for some reason? I don't know. Anyway, Emiria Angel. You're thinking Imperial Archangel. Oh, that's why. Exactly. <laughs> so, Emiria uh, Angel goes right into that curve. Uh, it's a four-drop. Then you, get, you can drop your own Baneslayer on five. Yeah. You know? But, uh, 
yeah, there's there's some options there. Very interesting card, and it's an uncommon, so it'll actually make a difference in limited. All right, the computer says we only have four hours and forty-two minutes left to record, so, so we, so we, we got to hurry up. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, but no. <laughs> but no, but yeah. Overall, I'm I'm excited about Ruin Ghost. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean the junk deck already showed how crazy landfall can get. It just seems like this is That's adding true. to it. Yeah, with Obnixilis, mm-hmm. which seems to have been forgotten about by everybody. Just a little bit. Um, so what's Talus Paladin? Do you really not know? I read it, probably. but I don't remember. If it, it says ally in the creature type, I'm sure you probably I already forgot. I probably it. skipped ally it. In the right. creature type. Can we just skip it? <laughs> yeah. uh, Essentially, that's actually, what I think. this one's this one is pretty interesting. Um, it's a two three for a white and three. It's a rare. Uh, so look forward to opening a lot of these in your packs. Yeah. Uh, it's a human knight ally. Whenever Talus Paladin or another ally enters the battlefield under your control. You may have allies you control gain lifelink until end of turn, and you may put a plus one, plus one counter on Talus Paladin. It's better than uh, some of the other allies. Where it, it is. It's a lot better. I mean, it enters the battlefield as a 3-4, and if you're playing allies, your other allies have lifelink until end of turn. This is the end of the white section. Yes. Affinity for Dwar Isle Refuge. Um. <laughs> um, I was trying to think of another obscure land that produced blue mana. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped in my head. Like the first dual color land that popped in my head. Affinity for Griffin Canyon. That doesn't produce blue, I don't think, but just Griffins. Yes. So Affinity ahead. for Petrified Field. Um, okay, so uh, we're going on the blue here. And the first card on the list is the Halamar Excavator. Ally, skip it. <laughs> one blue and one. He's a one three, a common human wizard ally. Uh, he has wizard cycling one. No, I'm kidding. Um, I just that saw would it. actually make it better. But it would. I just saw wizard. Yes. <laughs> Sacrifice this card. This creature. Search your library for a better wizard card and put it in your hand. No, but uh. Anyway, um, it, what it says is. Whenever Halimar Excavator or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of allies you control. That's such a terrible card that you have to read it so slow. <laughs> it's alright, it's an ally, it's blue, it mills people. Skip it. Jace the Mind Sculptor, we've talked about it, it's awesome. We're good. Go to the Mysteries of the Deep. Alright. <laughs> Thank you. That's all right. I'm just trying to move it along. No, of course. Good thing. Well, I, you know, I like mill cards. Oh, no, I know. I, so I, so I, I, I at least, you know. You like better mill cards, though. I'll tell you that. I, I do. I like better mill cards. So anyway, moving Wheel on. Wheel and Deal is a better mill card. <laughs> True. Wheel and Deal is a better mill card. Um, Mysteries of the Deep. Now, this is one I know we're going to have a little discussion on here. It's a blue and four. It's an instant. It's a common. Draw two cards. 
landfall, which is the first instance of landfall we've seen on an instance or on a spell and not just on a uh, creature, right. creature or a enchantment uh, or something. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so landfall. If you had a land enter the battlefield under your control this turn, draw three cards instead. So at best, it is a three-card draw spell for five mana. And and, which is speed. about standard. Right, instant five five mana for at instant for speed for three cards is well, like you said. Speed, it's about it's mediocre, really. Um, I think. I mean. Five mana for three cards is about standard right now with Mindspring being, you know, the general draw card. Well, well, let's go ahead and use... Okay. Let's use the um, the Flores guidelines, if you will, for judging a card's mana value. Mm -hmm. What is the value well, of draw three cards in terms of, like... I mean, I, I guess if you want to get into iconic cards, it's Ancestral... Uh, recall. Right, it depends on where. But you that's, are. but that's, I think, a little bit of an extreme thing I mean, because just they look at what's in standard right now. Well, not even no, no, we can't look at what's in standard right now because what instant card draw is there in standard right now? Right, Esper Charm. Esper Charm. Now but, that's that's well, my. Have, is, are you looking at instant card draw or overall? We're draw? talking about instant speed. I mean, like, what is the value of drawing three cards at instant speed? Um, what is the benchmark? What cards? I mean, you know better than I. Which cards are there that... Well, there's Careful Consideration. Careful Consideration is a uh, two blue and two colorless instant from Time Spiral. Target player draws four cards, then discards three. If you played the spell during your main phase, instead that player draws four cards, then discards two. So it's, it's a lot different. You see more cards. You see an extra card, technically. You see four. Mm -hmm. You have to discard some. But Careful Consideration is tons better than Mysteries of the Deep. Just because you're digging deeper... You take what you need. What you discard isn't all that relevant. You're only ending up with two cards if you... Uh, well, if you're playing it at sorcery speed. If you're playing it at sorcery speed, but I think the fact that it digs through four cards, you get the best two cards off the top of your library. Well, what's the well, okay? Well, what's the best card in recent years that would let you draw close to three cards at instant speed um, that you would play at the end of your opponent's turn? You know what I mean? Because right. that's really that's, what we're that's talking what I'm about to think here. About. Um, there's, well, there's Think Twice. I mean, it doesn't let you draw three. I'm just trying to think of instant speed card draw. It doesn't necessarily have to be three cards. We've right, had, exactly. Because, see, here's the thing. We've had Concentrate, which is, it costs four mana and draw three cards, but it's a sorcery. But uh, that feels better than Mysteries of the Deep. At first, when I saw Mysteries of the Deep, I figured, that's pretty decent. I didn't think it was good, you know, but I thought, okay, that's one that's worth considering for a deck. But... When you really think about it, you're paying five mana, and then you're not using that mana at all during your turn. If you wait, I mean, if you play it, I mean, you can play it during your turn. That's fine. But you wait until the end of your opponent's turn. You you have to crack a fetch first. You have to have the fetch land. Uh, then basically, it costs you five mana and one life to get three cards. It just doesn't seem good. And see, Evan Irwin had made a really good point about her. He basically tore Mysteries of the Deep a new asshole. And um, <laughs> I, I pretty much agree. It, it's really like, it just takes too much. It's too much to set up. You're doing nothing with your mana. I mean, it's not like I'll, I'll flash freeze your whatever and then I'll tap three to draw some cards. It's like you're really doing absolutely nothing. You're spending your entire turn to draw two or three cards. And especially that. I mean, what if you're only drawing two cards? That's terrible. It's like, 
that just seems really bad. Yeah, like a late game, if you top tech it with no lands in hand, you're pretty much... Yeah, it's like, uh, and even even with a la like, yeah, it's, it's like, uh, if you have a land in hand that's not a fetch, you don't have a fetch land in play or in hand, I mean, the best you can do to draw the three cards, you've got to play a land, and then you've got to play it at sorcery speed, so now it's an expensive concentrate. You know, it's like you have to have a fetch land for it to even be <coughs> mediocre. That's really what it seems like to me. Right. For it to be all right. See, now, I just really have a problem. We have Esper Charm, which costs, which has a very intensive mana cost because it's three different colors. And it draws you two cards at instant speed plus two other abilities. Couldn't they have made a mono blue version of that? I mean, it can be two blue and a colorless, or even three blue. I mean, that would have been a bit much, but still. And just be draw two cards at instant speed, just cut the other two options. Like, that would be good. I feel like that would at least be acceptable. Three mana, instant speed, two cards. Like, even if it's, you know, two blue and a colorless, or, I mean, God forbid, three blue. I, I, really, I think that might have pushed it, but... Um, Meanwhile, Joe's on my computer, apparently looking at every blue instant ever printed to try to find a comparable card. Do <laughs> you have a problem with that? Uh, no, I, I just thought we were on a time limit. Yeah, that's... Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of digging around. I, mean, I figured I would while you were talking. Well, yeah, I, wanted, I was talking to wait for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was filling time waiting for you to talk. I just, you were, I just, no, you I I just thought it was funny that you were looking at every blue instant. No, I, you have, you have a lot, I just knew you had a lot to say about the subject, so right. I figured I would just like flip around. I'm already on D. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm done. That was, I just don't really think it's that good. I guess I'll still look at it if I'm thinking about building a deck, and I might might consider it, but at this point, like, it's way too expensive for what you're getting. Short, short answer from me. I agree with Joe. Um, so let's move on to uh, Tide Force Elemental. Pretty uh, decent. Tide Force Elemental is a elemental. It's a 2-1 for a blue and 2. Uh, it's an uncommon. There's a picture of it right there. There uh, it is for you all to see. Done by... Uh, Donato Giannacola. There you go. He knew that. <laughs> I remembered it already. I right. can't even see it from here. He used to be your favorite artist back then. No, he wasn't. I didn't actually dislike most of his work. Really? I honest. thought you liked even, him. Even when I saw that, I was like, God, I wish they would stop employing him. <laughs> to be honest, I just feel like he's got a very juvenile style. You know what? Once again, I have to just say, where's Rebecca Gway? Where has she been? I haven't seen any art by her in a while, right? Yeah, I don't know if Jeremy Jarvis is still the art director or what. If he, I mean, I, I just haven't heard anything, any word. And I think I even sent a tweet to Daily MTG. Actually, what I said in the tweet was, why do all, why do so many manlands recently look like they have turds in the artwork, like Mutavault and Celestial Celestial Colonnade? I mean, I feel like I'm looking. Manlands must just be living poop. I mean, I, <laughs> it's really like, that's what it looks like. I mean, Mutavault looked like a cave of poop. I mean, that's what it looked like. So anyway, I sent a, a tweet to Daily MTG saying, you know, what's going on with the artwork? And is Jarvis still the art director? Well, they never wrote back. Maybe they didn't really like my correlation there. But anyway, it just seems that way to me. But Jeremy Jarvis, I thought he was doing a great job with, like, Time Spiral and things like that. And I felt like the quality of art was pretty high caliber, up until I feel like recently I've seen it drop off, and I don't know why. Like I feel like um, things aren't as impressive. Like there's some awesome artists, of course, and it's way better than it was, you know, 15 years ago. But 
I just think some of this artwork, I mean, that's just an example tied towards elemental. I feel like that looks like it was, you know, I'd walk through a local high school and see it on the wall from the art class. You know, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just doesn't look like high-quality artwork. Now, he, he did uh, Chrome Mocks. That's a good piece by him. I can, he does good work, but he also does terrible work. And I don't like, this, I don't like that. He's not consistent to me. And for, for the most part, when I see his work, I'm not impressed. It looks very juvenile to me. That's all. So anyway, Tom, Yeah, I didn't like the art that much. Um, so here's what it does. It's a blue and tap. You may tap or untap another target creature. Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may untap Tide Force Elemental. Pretty decent. Right, it's, it's an interesting card. I mean, it's a tapper in the format. It's It'll be good. fantastic in, in, in sealed, right, and booster draft, right. whatever. Exactly. I don't think it's going to see any play otherwise, but it's just interesting to have, and it's not terrible. So, uh, Wind's Endicon. Right? These are the these Zendikons are a cycle of enchantments that enchant lands, and basically they turn the land into a creature, and when that creature goes to the graveyard, or the, when the land goes to the graveyard, um, you can return that land to your hand. So you kind of eliminate the whole two-for-one kind of thing, because you at least get back, you know, if somebody destroys your creature, you get it back. Um, so Wind's Zendikon seems to me to be, I mean, we haven't even seen them all. We've seen the green one. We've seen the blue one. The blue one seems to me like it's going to be the most playable simply because it only costs one blue mana. And right. you get a 2-2 flyer. Enchant land, enchanted land becomes a 2-2 flyer. That's, that's what it is. So when that creature goes to the graveyard, or when that land goes to the graveyard, you get it back. This is great with fetch lands. Yeah. You have a 2-2 flyer, and uh, on a fetch land, you can use it as a 2-2 flyer for as long as you need to. Then you can chump block, sacrifice the fetch land, get a land and uh, out of your library, and get the fetch land right back in your hand to use again. I don't know how, uh, how much sense this will make in the long run, but my first thought, because I was working on that dredge deck, is it's a good way to protect your Crypts of Agadine. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. obviously you have a Crypt of Agadim on the board. Your opponent wants to get rid of that Crypt of Agadim if they can't get rid of your damn library. Right. The thing is, though, how are they getting rid of Crypt of Agadim in the first place? Like, unless they're playing something that deals with lands, like Ruin Blaster or, or Celestial Ruin I mean, Blaster. Or uh, Spreading Seas, which, yeah, both just... of which, yeah, it was like, okay, now your Crypt of Agadim is an island and a 2 2 land. <laughs> you know, 2 2 flyer. So it doesn't actually protect well, that, anything. But, well, at but... the same time, it's a way. For you to get value out of the crypt if it's if, if it becomes an if someone spreading sees the crypt right but you know I, you I can think you're, you might be going too far into the corner case kind sure, of sure sure you know, sure that's all sure. but it is an idea it's not it was just an idea yeah 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 yeah, yeah. anyway wind Zendikon looks like it's going to be the best of the Zendikons right. unless the other it. ones cost until we see the other ones. ones yeah yeah but uh, the the green one which we'll get to but I'll just tell you right now it's a it turns the creature into a crawl worm but it costs five so you get a six four for five mana. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and you can yeah. get a 5-4 for 3, so... What's that? Yeah. You can get a 5-4 for 3. Yeah, exactly, so. with Wooly Thokdar. Or for 3 green, you get 4-5, right? Right. Which with, uh, we're getting there. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> um, talking about green already, but... This is the end of the blue section. Thank you.
black. into black? We're into black now. We've only got four spoiled on black so far, which is unfortunate. Because um, I want to know more. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Calastria Highborn. Uh, it's a rare. It's a 2-2 two, two for two black. It's a vampire shaman. Whenever Calastria Highborn or another vampire you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay one black. If you do, target player loses two life and you gain two life. That's, I think, Vampires is already a solid deck, as made evident by the fact that it keeps making top eights and winning, you know, just won the Dallas 5K. This deck, I mean, this card, I think, is going to just push it further into that top tier. Um, and I think it also can kind of adjust the strategy slightly, in a way. Like, I mean, I think it's going to just have... I think this is going to make the Vampire deck just that much harder to deal with. And I'm wondering, I mean, just this just occurred to me because you were just talking about Crypt of Agadine, but it's when that creature goes to the graveyard, right? Yeah. You say a black? So the creature's in the graveyard. So Crypt of Agadine, that'll count that. I'm just thinking how much black you can... You, because if, if Crypt of Agadine adds a black for every black creature in your graveyard, you, you could have plenty of mana because you, suddenly somebody sweeps your board or something and four creatures go... You tap two in the crypt, and the crypt adds four. I mean, that's probably a terrible example, but I'm just thinking, I, somehow Crypt of Agadine was still in my head, and I'm thinking it adds a black for each of those creatures, so you're getting the mana right there to activate Calastria Highborn's ability for each of the creatures that goes to the graveyard, in right. case you didn't have all the mana untapped. Right, right, right. Because that's basically what the strategy is going to have to be. It's going to be like, you just tapped out for Vampire Nocturnus, I'm going to have to wipe your board now. Because you, so you won't have the mana to uh, you know to activate that. You know? Right. That's really what it's going to have to be. You're really going to have to pay attention to when you're going to or sweep the board or kill or, it. You yeah, know? I'm going to say or it, it just hits the field it. and you just bolt it. Yeah. Right. That's right, so what I'm saying. You need to wait till till they're tapped out to uh, if you, know. you want to sweep. Right. So you just need to be aware of it. But it's just a great card. It's an, it reminds me in a way of Dauntless Escort because it's going to change the way people have to play against you. Dauntless Escort being the 3-3 three, three for, what is it, green-white one? Mm -hmm. it? And whenever, uh, what actually was the text? Was it Like you sacrifice... Sacrifice it and all your creatures are indestructible yeah. until the end of turn. So yeah, so people couldn't really wipe your board because you had that, you could just sacrifice it, and all they ended up doing was paying, you know, Wrath of God for your Dauntless Escort. That's it. But... It's not obviously a, the same ability. It's not even really similar, but it changes the way people play against you uh, and the way people deal with your creatures. Right. And I think that that's, that's relevant. It, in this case, you do have to pay mana for it, so it makes it a little different, but you have to think about that when you're playing against vampires and they've got that on the table. This is very true. Okay, moving on. Quest for the Nile Stone. Quest for the Nihil Stone. It's an enchantment. It's one black, and it's a rare... Whenever an opponent discards a card, you may put a quest counter on quest for the Nihil Stone. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if that player has no cards in hand and quest for the Nihil Stone has two or more quest counters on it, you may have that player lose five life. I love this card, personally. Yeah, I, you do. It seems like the type of card you would like. I just wasn't that impressed. I feel like I'd rather play with Blood Chief Ascension. You, you seem to think they'd be well together. I mean, I guess they could... Go ahead. You, you go ahead. I keep well, what I like about Quest for the Nihil Stone, if I had a Quest for the Nihil Stone on the board in the game I was playing against Tim, 
it would have instead of a blood chief ascension, mm -hmm. I would have been a lot less reluctant to cast my blight because I had a blightning in my hand and I had a blood chief ascension on two counters and I had a molten chocolate cake. With no, no, I just. Oh no, but um, <laughs> sorry, it, it just came up again and man, that looks good. So I had a blood chief ascension with two counters on it mm -hmm. and a and a blightning in my hand and I was like, well, I can play this blightning and. I can get the Blood Chief Ascension online, or I can find another way to deal three damage to him and then use this Blightning for more value, you know, right. once the Ascension's online. Had he two cards in his hand, and I had a quest for the Nihil Stone out instead, <laughs> it would have been like, great, here you go, you take three, you lose your hand, you activate the quest for the Nihil Stone, and then next turn, because it's only when you discard, when they discard a card, if Blightning puts two counters on the card. Right. So Blightning activates it on its own. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, Blightning, clear your hand, go, you lose five life. So you're getting eight life out of Blightning, which I think is great. And I also like the dream of Soren Markov on the board, take them to ten, cruel ultimatum, basically just say go, and hopefully you clear the last three cards out of their hand or something. So yeah. I'm playing Discord, it's probably not that great late game. No, it's not a great thing to draw late game for sure, but like... If you put four in your deck and you draw one early game, everything but those yeah, should be leading you to activating it and making it be, you know, a game-ending card. Right. I just think it's a lot of work for not as much return. It really, in a way, like Mysteries of the Deep, it, even though it only costs one mana, it's, that's just its mana cost. It costs one mana and you to do some other things, and eventually you... Hopefully we'll get five damage out of it, if that, you know what I mean? If right. we even do it, and it's just like, wow, this is a lot of work to do five damage. I can do this other ways. I can play a land or elf and attack five times. You know, like, I'm, that's kind of dumb, but I'm just... I know what you're I just feel like it's a lot of work when you really try to play it. You're going to activate it sometimes, and sometimes it's going to win you the game, but I think you can say that about almost anything. Almost any card, there's going to be some way that right. some deck or some way. I mean, you to, could you could say that about a Birds of Paradise with a Loxodon Warhammer. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, and that's not even a bad thing because those are both good cards and they both have been in the same deck together. But I'm saying yeah. this in general is going to. I feel like it takes too much work to get it to to work. And when you could play the uh, the, the vampire that's two two for one and probably do well, five damage with it. I mean, there's also Nixithid, which is a creature on its own, and then you're playing Discard. Right, there's going to be a deck that, I mean, there there is a deck that will play to that strategy. I'm just saying I, I'm not that convinced that it's going to be I that mean, great. Doesn't yeah. Vampires run Mind Sludge? That's true. Yeah. I mean, they could have that thing out, and then Mind Sludge, you know, more like a control-based vampire deck. Yeah, Mind Sludge, clear the hand, say go, and then they lose another five. And if they're playing like, I mean, like if they've started out, I mean, obviously their turn one was a was an enchantment and not like a lacerator or something. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. But uh, but still, I feel like that's kind of I don't know. It could be pretty right. nasty. I don't think it's terrible. I'm just not that impressed. But again, it's not my style of card. I think it's more your style. Sure. And it might be Tim's style too. What do you think, Tim? Is it your style? I think um, when I first saw it, I definitely liked it, but um, I don't know that I'll be building this card. But I don't, I see it being useful, like in the in discard decks. Here's, I guess, another point, comparing it to Blood Chief Ascension because that's the first thing I did. I was like, it's kind of like Blood Chief Ascension, but I'd rather play Blood Chief Ascension. You're more likely to get Blood Chief Ascension online than this because just by naturally playing, because you play Blood Chief Ascension in a deck that is going to attack, then you're just 
playing to your normal strategy, you're going to be attacking anyway, like vampires and things well, like this, that. This so. could change, I guess, the vampire's deck to focus more on discard than yeah. on being aggro. Yeah, and that's what you do. You have to build more around this, is my point. Blood Chief Ascension is, can go in and, and just sit there, and yes, it's more likely to just happen naturally over the course of the game. You're going to be attacking. You're going to be doing those kinds of things. Right. And you don't need another, you don't need to have other cards to support it because those cards were going to be in your deck anyway. You're going to be attacking with creatures anyway, theoretically. And in the deck I'm talking about, in this theoretical deck, right. most, so many decks right now have creatures. There's not that many decks that aren't attacking and with creatures. So I'm just saying, right now, in a deck with creatures, you're going to be playing towards the Blood Chief Ascension strategy already. Right. Quest for the Nilestone requires you to play around that. Or dedicate build a strategy that. to yeah, it. You have yeah, to dedicate to it more. That's all. It's true. And that's all. It's not a bad card. It's just not. I, I don't find it that interesting. So okay, we're moving on then. Uh, Ruthless Call Blade. It's a black and one. It's a two one. It's a common. It's a vampire warrior. Ruthless Call Blade gets plus two plus one as long as an opponent has ten or less life. You can hear from my tone of voice how excited I am. Yeah. Smother. Yay! <laughs> smother! I like smother. Yeah, I'll eat human pudding. It's a black and one. It's an instant. It, it's an uncommon. Destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. It can't be regenerated. Right, so we use this against Tarmogoyf and um, Oren Viper and... Oh, wait. We're going to have standard. So we use it against Woolly <laughs> Thoughtar. We use, we use it against Maelstrom Pulse. Oh, wait. You can't smother a Maelstrom Pulse. I can smother the player that's playing it, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you can smother a Putrid Leech. Right, right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too bad it doesn't remove them from the game, because it would be good against... Uh, sprouting Thrive. Sprouting Thrive. Yeah, I know. Yeah, smother. Cool. Solid removal spell. Um, it was a great spell when it was in standard... Back in Onslaught. So guess what? Oh my god, so wow. So what do you know? Baneslayer Angel doesn't die to everything anymore. Mm, not everything. Doesn't die to Smother. Mm -mm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Maybe it'll get more expensive. Um, <laughs> what will get more expensive? Baneslayer Angel. Although maybe it'll go up in value because it doesn't die to Smother. See, it doesn't die to everything. <laughs> it's way better than we thought. <laughs> yeah. This is the end of the black section. is a sorcery. It's two red and two. It's a rare. It deals X damage to each creature where X is the number of creatures on the battlefield. So it's, I mean, I just think, wow, Red Wrath of God. I mean, that's pretty much what it's going to be, unless you're going to be trying to trade a one for one with it, which... Red Wrath that doesn't kill the new core guy. Which sucks. Yeah, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But I think that's a good card. I think it's got 
it's going to be one of those cards that people consider. I mean, it's. Uh, I still feel like I like Earthquake, but yes, against Flyers, Earthquake is not effective. If you're low on life, Earthquake isn't that great either. But Earthquake is also a win condition, and Chain Reaction isn't. Mm-hmm. I can count, you know, just last week when you and I were playing, Earthquake won me two games, you know, two weeks ago. I mean, Earthquake is is a win condition, and I really like that about the Yeah, card. it seems to me like too many things have to go right for Chain Reaction to be useful. You just need enough creatures on the board to equal the highest toughness of those creatures yeah. for it to be... But that's kind of a lot of conditions. Yeah, that's true. I mean... I like it. It's, I mean, you play a Baneslayer, and that's the only creature on the board, well, you're fine. You're safe, except they're going to have to you know, they're gonna deal with it some other way. But, uh... I guess the thing is, it's it's great against. Um, well, it's good against of, yeah the aggro decks like bushwhacker. And, yeah, any kind of uh, uh, what's the word? I keep thinking swarm. Swarm, that's the word. <laughs> any kind of swarm strategy. I'm going warp, <laughs> war. <laughs> I'm missing a letter. <laughs> the hell. So yeah, any kind of swarm strategy, is good. it's good. Somebody plays conqueror's pledge, and you're like, ah, uh, thanks. But yeah. Um, Comet Storm. We've talked a bit about Comet Storm in our last episode. Um, it is an instant speed fireball. Go ahead. Yeah. Just kidding. No, no, no. I think Comet Storm's a good card. Uh, if I didn't make that clear in our last episode, I think it's a good card. I'm actually excited for it, but I just don't think it would be myth- should be mythic, and that's as much as I'll say about that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, considering the other mythics spoiled, I think other than Jace, it's probably the best one so far. Yeah. I think that I'm going to pretend that I think it's a terrible card, uh-huh. um, so I can trade for them low at the pre-release. Good call. Good call. Um, no. It is. It is. <laughs> well, the, it's, uh, it's the pre-release card. Right. It's Pre-release card. card, which is good to keep the value down somewhat. That's um, true, and I, so that's good. But that, and then, then they'll be readily available for me to pick up. Exactly, which I'm happy about. Yeah. Um, Cunning Spark Mage is so bad. I'm not even reading what it does. Oh, it's a pinger. It's a pinger with haste. It's not that bad. It costs three. Right. So did Prodigal Sorcerer. Prodigal but it's Sorcerer an didn't have haste. Well, you were. What, were you gonna attack with Prodigal Sorcerer? Hell one? yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's uh, Cunning Spark Mage. It's a red and two colorless. It's an 0-1. It's got haste, and it deals one damage. It's definitely good and limited. Yeah, tap it to deal one damage to target creature or player. Like, yeah. I think that's, that's solid. It's well, I hope you open somebody... three of them in your uncommon slots in the first pack you open. That would be nice if I open one pack and well, have three of them in there. I would play them if I was playing red. Well, if you're playing the sealed, yeah. <laughs> but it's an uncommon. I think that sucks. Well, I mean, I it's guess. It's just a crappy uncommon. If it was rare, I would be complaining. But well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's I mean, like, that would be the worst rare ever printed, I think. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I just looked at it and was like, oh, are you serious? Like, come I on. Know. I looked at it and I thought, no. Yeah, it's, it's like, like I mean, no, it's fun in sealed. No, I mean, if I, if I open two of them in sealed, I'll be like, wow, that's two more red removal spells than I opened all of Zendikar pre-release. <laughs> um, anyway. I mean, but, you know, I, I just I just looked at the card. I was just like, Ugh. right. Well, you just weren't. It wasn't anything shocking. It's like a you know, shocking. Just, ha, 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 no pun intended. No, not at all. Um, next, we're getting into a really interesting card here. It's a dragon. Dragon Master Outcast. Now this is a weird. I don't know. I, I looked actually. I think I looked online at how much it was. No, that's what it was. I got an email from Channel Fireball like with their pre-sales, and that card like I think they had it up pre-sale at like. 10, That's ridiculous. Bucks. I think it's a terrible card. I know. I'm because like, really? Even if you do get it out and find a way to protect it and find a way to put all these 5-5 five, five dragons into play, they still all die immediately to the most played creature in, in standard. 
Right. right, right. Well, let's and read it. Can't, no, they can't even block it. That's right. true. That's they, true. You have nothing it. against yeah. the most played creature in standard, so I don't. I don't know. It's a one-one for one. That's not bad. It's just like Mon's Goblin Raiders, and you know that's great. Um, it's Dragon Master Outcast. It's got Dragon in the name. That's pretty cool, right? Master. That's also cool. Outcast. Yeah, it's pretty much what it's going to be. And it's a mythic rare, it which a means rare. it is more cooler than other rares. Or it's more rarer. It's more, more rarer. rarer. It's more rarish. Like, it's rarish. So it's a creature human shaman. He looks raring to go on the card. <laughs> the artwork is awesome. The artwork is bloody fantastic. Right. So at, at the Raymond Swanland, <laughs> who I don't know him, but no, no, uh, but he's a very good artist. Apparently, because no, this is fantastic. He's he did some stuff in Shards Block. He did actually. He did the um. It's either a token or one of those textless creatures that were in what was it Future Sight? The creatures that had no. Uh, yeah. He did the red one. I can't remember what the hell it was called. But um, anyway, he's one of the better artists. He did Crash the Blood Braided. Okay. Um, uh, oh, that's what I was thinking about. What is it? Is the, um, I want to say Crater Hellion, but that's, isn't that from Caldera Hellion? Hellion? Caldera Hellion, oh, yeah. Oh, sweet. That, um, he's done a lot of stuff, actually. This is, this is great art. So, um, so, so the, the text on the card, Human Shaman, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control six or more lands... Put a 5-5 five, five red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. It seems just terrible. I mean, yes, it costs one, but, like, it costs a card in your deck. But they're going for 11 right now online? I think that was, that was just... That was I hope just, I uh, pull, like, three of them and I can trade them for I good mean, cards. Even if you do play it with, like, an indestructibility on it on, like, turn six... Is it, but if you're playing indestructibility in your deck, you already lose. <laughs> I'm just... I think if you're playing that deck, you already that card you already lose anyway. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you're like, okay. And you have to play that and something to protect it, so you're taking up eight slots for useless <laughs> cards. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, we've got Scoot Mob, which is barely seeing play, and Scoot Mob's easier to to trigger, right? Right. Um, I think Scoot Mob's pretty decent. I mean, as a one-of in a deck with Ranger of Eos, it's pretty cool. I mean, you just pull it up, but I just feel like... It's just too much to deal with. Like, like a 5-5 five, five dragon isn't that powerful anymore. If you've got six lands on the field, then play something that is good for six mana. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Me. Yeah, sure, if you've got eight, you can go ahead and cruel ultimatum and then play your dragon master outcast or whatever if you want. But now, it's not... Eh, I, th I, think, I think we should just move on. It's, it's, it's a bad card. I don't know. I don't, I don't see how it's any good. Right. Yeah. I hope, like I said, I hope I open some so I can trade them for good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, now we're moving on to a card because I know Joe loves this card because blue counter spells are really great and standard right now. Absolutely. So there needs to be a way to uh, make them even, like to make them bad because right. you know something, something to fight against all the counter spells that have been flying around. Right, exactly. So because now we, we have Ricochet those. Trap. A ricochet Trap is an instant. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a red and three. It's an uncommon. If an opponent casts a blue spell this turn, you may pay red rather than pay Ricochet Trap's mana cost. Change the target of target spell with a single target. Which, you know, most often if it's a blue spell, because, I mean, there's no permanent bounce, you would be changing the target of a counter spell to Ricochet Trap. Right? Changing the target of counter spell to... Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't really how listening. Does, how does the math work out on that? What do you... So you, you play a spell, someone plays someone you play a spell, it. someone counters it. What do you change the target to? You change the target of the counter spell to, to ricochet, ricochet okay. trap, right? Doesn't that work? Is that, is that how it works? Right. So ricochet trap resolved, yeah, and then the counter spell doesn't fizzles. have a yeah fizzles because its target is illegal. Right. 
So that right. So it's swerve. It's swerve. Yeah. Now I can play it's, swerve and jump. Yeah. Now you can That'll play swerve cool. and jump. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if somebody. What's it? What's its hard cost? Four. It's not terrible. A red and three. Yeah, I guess I mean, we'll it see. probably is terrible, but it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, it look it, it seems it seems good. I, mean, I know Joe hates Ricochet trap on archive <laughs> trap. I just, I just don't care. <laughs> change the uh, I mean, change the target of archive trap. That seems like that would work to me. Yeah, that's true. No, because archive trap says target opponent. Oh, uh, you can't swerve archive trap either. That's true. Yeah. You can't. No. Uh, I just found the email from Channel Fireball, and I'm trying to check the price on Dragon Master Outcast because I was curious. Skitter of Lizards, one red, one one, creature lizard, common, multi-kicker, one and a red. Haste, it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. Whatever. Yeah, they needed a crappy card to show off their new uh, mechanic, mm -hmm. so I guess that's it. Okay, I was wrong. Dragon Master Outcast is 549 but that's still about ten times more than it should cost. Yeah. It'll, it'll be down to one in about four months. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think it's going to take that long. Cool. The thing about the Comet Storm, 349 So Comet Storm is cheaper than this. I mean, yes, I guess Comet I'm taking Storm, into account the, the pre-release. Yeah. yeah. What is the, what's the most expensive card according to Chase? Chase. Twenty one ninety nine. Okay. Fireball. Uh, Admonition Angel eleven ninety nine. What's um, the colonnade? Four ninety nine for Celestial Colonnade. Yeah. Chain Reaction is two forty nine. Uh, Lodestone Golem, which we haven't gotten to yet, but I think that's kind of interesting. It's two dollars and forty eight cents. Quest for the Nile Stone, forty nine cents. <laughs> nice. Core Firewalker also forty nine cents. Well, that's an uncommon. And oh, is it? Wow, yeah. I thought it was a rare. Chiraga Warcaller is three forty nine. That's the release card. So. Exactly. Why is this not showing up? Right Speaking now? of while we're talking about prices of cards before the pre release, make sure you turn into Yo M turn into. <laughs> make sure you morph into our podcast name. <laughs> make sure you tune in to Yo MTG Taps because we are going to do a special episode. Um, which is going to be a price guide for the pre-release for World Wake. When we go to pre-releases, typically the night before, Joe will print up little lists of what things are currently going for on the internet. Uh, according to eBay. According so to eBay. I Although, I, you know what, this time around I would really prefer it if you did Star City games, yeah, because I'll, I've been I'll, looking at Star City way more than anything else to do yeah. trade values. eBay, fine, but trade values, I've been looking at Star City just because it gives me a a general idea, and it's a hard number, right? and it's on the same scale as right. everything else I've been looking Fair at. Enough. Plus, I price cards for the store, and I use Star City as a guide for that. So it's just like what I have to look at. So in that case, I, I think I agree with you, but in that case, we don't need to do a special episode. Just make sure before the pre-release to, to look at Star City Games pre-order prices. Well, the way, well no, no, that, no, no I understand that, but I, I still feel like we should do an episode and provide a PDF if that's easy, but if not, like just like like a text file or something for someone for other people to print out and take with them to the pre-release. I see. Okay. Well, you know, that, maybe, that, maybe we will. We'll, I guess you'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're 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 discussing. We'll it. have an episode anyway. Like, we'll have an episode, and we'll probably have. We'll make sure it comes out like the the Thursday or Friday before the pre-release, and we're gonna have an accompany, accompanying text file for you to print out for easy access to the prices of the cards you are interested in for the new set. So I just wanted to mention that because I've been thinking about it. And, okay. Um, okay, so we're moving on to Stone Idol Trap, which was just uh, spoiled this morning, right? I believe so, yeah. It's uh, a red and five. It's a rare. It's an instant. It's a trap. 
Stone Idol Trap costs one less to cast for each attacking creature. Put a 612 Colorless Construct Artifact Creature Token with Trample onto the battlefield. Exile it at the beginning of your next end step. I think it's interesting. It's interesting, yeah, because what you do, you, you play it and uh, block one of their creatures and then you have it to attack with on your turn and before you lose it. Because it's exiled at the end of your end step. So you play it during your opponent's turn when you're being attacked. Use it as a nice little flash blocker and then attack with it. It's kind of like, as Tim said, it's a worse plume veil because you can only block one creature with it. So if you're getting attacked by a bunch of creatures, you can block their best one and then attack with it, you know, during your turn, you know, but I, I feel like, uh, I'd rather just play Terminate, you know, a removal spell, because it's going to be cheaper, and I can just remove something, and it's going to be more versatile, because if I'm being attacked by just one creature, like, say, somebody's attacking me with Baneslayer Angel, tapping, what is it, going to be seven, or, I'm sorry, five mana, if I'm being attacked by one creature, to block a Baneslayer, is it even flying? It's no. not even flying. So <laughs> never mind, it can't even block a Baneslayer Angel. I'd rather play Terminate, or, um, or... Something else that's just a spot removal. It is a red flash creature for what it's worth. Yeah, that's I, don't I don't know that it's worth. Yeah, I don't know what that's worth. I mean, I mean, I, I like the flavor of it. I no, think it's, it's. I think it's a neat card for the flavor, and I think it could see some play. It's it's interesting enough. It's a surprise. This is the end of the red section. Magic history ever. It's just so awesome. It's just oh my god. I'm, I'm so into this artwork. I mean, like, it makes me want to die laughing. I think this is officially the new card I'm collecting. Awesome. I think because is it common or uncommon? it's an uncommon. It makes me laugh so hard. It is so funny to me. It's like a um, one of those environmental T-shirts. From like, uh, <laughs> it's like a wolf shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that somebody would wear in like second grade. Yeah. Or or Evan or, Irwin called okay. it the Jungle Book. See, I have a theory that wolf shirts, like a shirt with a wolf howling at the moon and stuff like that, those shirts are only worn by the ugliest people you have ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> and I apologize if anyone of our listeners wears a wolf shirt. Or is wearing one right now. Or is wearing one right now. Looks down and goes, oh, I am pretty ugly, aren't I? This sucks. It's okay, you know. You did not, you know, you're not responsible for your jeans or anything like that. But, but you are responsible, you are responsible for, for buying the damn shirt. Um, so just, you know... All I'm saying is, those shirts are only worn by the ugliest people ever. They crack me up. I had a MySpace group back in the day called Brotherhood of the Wolf Shirts. I, I, I love wolf shirts. I laugh every time I see them now. Like, because you've told me that. Every time I see a wolf shirt, it doesn't have to be on anybody, just in a store. I'm just like, ah, a wolf shirt. Even Christina points them out to me. Love a wolf shirt. 
Yeah. <laughs> she should we buy that for Joe? Like, <laughs> she'll, she'll ask me. You know, it's just funny. I haven't got a wolf shirt yet, so apparently you always said no. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> so bastard. I'm not spending money on a wolf shirt. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't want to either. I want to kind of like rob somebody for one. Um, so give be, me your shirt. Give me your shirt. <laughs> Go ahead. Put this be- bag over your head. Incremental dudes costs. Bestial menace. Costs, I don't, like, is this card for real? Are they serious? I mean, I, I, are they serious? Like, look at this card. <laughs> They're serious. Elephant's like, this is my posse, yo. 3-3 three, three green elephant creature token has a posse. And it's Jumanji. Called... <laughs> now, I'm going to think of that every time you play. It's like, Jumanji. Oh, my God. Oh. So it's two green and three colorless for a sorcery. Uncommon. Yes. Put a 1-1 one, one green snake creature token, a 2-2 two, two green wolf creature token, and a 3-3 three, three green elephant creature token onto the battlefield. Yeah. Awesome, 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 awesome. I can't get over how awesome this card is. I'm just like cracking up looking at the damn art. It's so funny. Andrew Robinson. He's a good artist. Apparently. But uh, I just think that the artwork it's just very, looks like something I'd see it's hanging It's very literal book. artwork. It yeah. is. Like, well, I mean, the, well, the, the, the name of the cart, Bestial Menace. Yeah. And then you got like this little crappy snake, this like chill-ass wolf, and like this elephant, this like majestic elephant. <laughs> I mean, like, it doesn't seem menacing at all. It just really <laughs> cracks me up. This is, like, the funniest card they've printed. <laughs> Bestial Menace. What, what's the quote, by the way? Uh, my battle cry reaches ears far keener than yours. Sida Jurago Hunter. I think that, I just wish that, like, the the elephant could be, like, on one knee, like, posted up, making, like, peace signs behind the wolf and the snake. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, like, it doesn't work because, you know, he doesn't have fingers. I mean, the snake and the wolf aren't actually very menacing. They're just kind of sitting No, there. and, I mean, other than size, the elephant isn't very <laughs> menacing either. <laughs> it's like... It would be like it would be like a picture of like like let's say there was a magic card called like ultimate scary necromancer and it's just this guy sleeping in bed like it's too much oh my god this card is too much right yeah it's just uh, I just think it's funny that it's called bestial menace it's it just really sounds like sexual innuendo you know yeah like and we haven't heard any sexual innuendo in this episode yeah. Not yet, anyway. No, not yet. Really. I don't know. We haven't so, listened back to it, so. So yeah, I mean, there might, I mean, there might be one or two instances of sexual innuendo, but for the most part, I'm not sure. It's only, it's only three letters away from being very dirty. <laughs> Wait, what? Bestiality menace. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, what letters? Menace. Uh... <laughs> there's, like a, there's a dude behind this tree, like peeking. <laughs> I think if I ever meet Andrew Robinson, I'm going to get him to sign my 300 copies of Bestial Menace, and I'm going to make him write bestiality, and then like just white out the rest. Just white out the word menace, and just write bestiality, and then just draw a little dude behind that tree, like, lurking. You just do it on your own. <laughs> just, I might. Just do it with all your cards, altered art. The best is the funniest card I have ever seen. I collect... I don't know if I've, I haven't said anything about this. I collect wolves because of my wolf shirt obsession. Yeah. I collect every any 
wolf-related magic items. I collect wolf tokens. I I pulled. I must have like a hundred. Yeah, Timberland Ranger. Yeah. I got, no, I don't have Timberland Ranger. <laughs> Timberland. Timberland Ranger. Um, <laughs> but I, I I collect wolves. I've got some of the weirdest wolves that I've like the weirdest wolves I can find in magic that I can afford to get like there's right. nothing from like portal three kingdoms or anything but if i had the money <laughs> i would totally get them um just because once again it's just a humor thing it's just a like i think wolves are hilarious because people are like you can't see what i'm doing with my hands on the podcast i don't even know what you, i can see what but you're they're like wolves <laughs> like they're like wolves are like you know they're like nature and like <laughs> i like I like bumblebees and like Butterfly. hanging out in like the park. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't really know where you're going. I have no idea. I'm just saying like. Let's go to the next green card. Oh man, but I want to stare at Beastial Menace longer. You can do that in a bit. I have to get a hell out of here, dude. It's, it's like only three o'clock. I was supposed. I wanted to stop at noon. <laughs> we didn't even start at that point. But. All right, so uh, canopy cover. Canopy cover is an enchantment. It's an aura. It's an enchant creature. It's a green and one. It's an uncommon. Enchanted creature can't be blocked except by creatures with flying and or reach. Enchanted creature can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. So it's, again, kind of like the Zendikons. It sort of does away with the whole two-for-one thing. Because the thing is, people don't want to play enchantments, auras, anyway, like enchant creatures or enchant lands, because it leaves you right open for a two-for-one. You put, you know, an enchantment on your Baneslayer angel or something, and they kill it. I keep bringing up Baneslayer, like that's the first, it's the only creature people play. But any creature you have, you put an enchantment on it, and somebody destroys your creature, now you just lost two cards to their one. You know, they just uh, you know, kind of blew you out a little bit, so... Um, a lot of times that's one of the things that keeps people from playing enchantments unless there's some sort of extra ability on that enchantment that kind of protects you from that. Like Moldervine Cloak was uh, Ravnica uncommon. That uh, enchanted creature gets plus three, plus three, and it had the dredge ability, which means you could at least get it back. So if somebody destroyed your creature, you could get the enchantment back. You didn't lose the enchantment. You just had to use your dredge, use its dredge ability to get the Moldervine Cloak back, and you could use it again. Uh, Rancor is a perfect example. When Rancor uh, was legal, it was in Urza's Legacy, so it was about 10 years ago, uh, or more actually. Um, but it was one green for Enchanted Creature gets plus 2, plus 0. And when Rancor goes to the graveyard uh, from play, you can return it to your hand. So it was, again, people deal with the creature, at least you get the enchantment back, and you don't lose two cards to their one. So uh, in this case, Canopy cover gives the creature shroud, so now it's tougher to deal with. Like they troll keep, shroud, right? Troll shroud, which is even better, meaning it's got the same ability as troll ascetic. Uh, it can't be targeted by your opponent's spells or abilities, but you can still do things to it. You can still pump it up with giant growth or whatever you happen to be using. So it's not terrible, but it's, I still feel like it's not um, it's not fantastic. It's just it's going to give your your creature shroud and uh, and what what else? Make it a little less blockable. Right, right. So, um, I mean, it, it, I think that's good in limited, and it's, I, I feel like so many cards are good in limited. Once it's again, not... it's, I mean, it, 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 it's like a glorified Whisper Silk Cloak. Yeah. Whisper Silk Cloak has a lot of casual appeal, but it doesn't really see a lot of constructed play. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit better, because it allows you to 
further target your own creature, but it also at the on the other side of the coin, it makes your creature it, your creature still blockable, just yeah. less blockable. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's kind of almost equivalent to a Whisper Soul Cloak. And right. I don't know. I'm not too excited about Whisper Soul Cloak, nor am I too excited about Haraba's Druid. Haraba's Druid is an O1. It costs a green and one. It's a creature. It's a human druid ally. It's a rare. Tap to add X mana of any one color to your mana pool, where X is the number of allies you control. I don't think it's terrible. No, it's not um, terrible. I'm just not excited about it. Right, I'm right. not excited about allies. It's yeah. another ally, but even by itself. It's rare. It, it's rare, right, yeah. It shouldn't be. But, yeah, I mean, I can see why. It's kind of like, by itself, it's sort of a, an expensive birds of paradise that doesn't fly. One other ally makes it significantly better, just one other ally, but it's still only two mana of any color. Um, I think there might be a creature that costs green and one that might do that job a lot better in standard. I forget what it's called. It's like Locus, Low Blow, La, Loco, Lotus Cobra. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, Lotus just Cobra, allies, like... what are you really ramping up to anyway? No, they're crappy <laughs> allies. <laughs> Multicolor ally deck. I, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. I guess it's we'll any see. one color. Oh, it's any one color. But but it's any. Uh, it can be another color. Any can, one color. You true. can have... um. You could have, like, four other allies on the board and just tap that and play a Baneslayer Angel, so... Ah, it's terrible. It dies to everything. Oh, right, Moving right. on. Drago Warcaller, terrible. Dies to everything. Leatherback Baloth, terrible. Dies to everything. Omnath... Oh, no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, just, just going back, you could ramp up to a uh, turn three 2-1 two one, two one, one ally tokens into play, so... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, you could play Join the Ranks one turn quicker. Yeah. <laughs> and, hey, and then next turn you'll have... Uh, Three, three mana. Right. And it's almost like Elvish Archdruid. So then you could play that uh, Kazul Warlord guy or something. Mm. This is all assuming your opponents did nothing. Right. This is assuming <laughs> you have all those cards in your hand. Yeah. And the mana to play them. And you, for some reason, brought an ally deck. Jiraga Warcaller is the release promo card, so I'm going to be sick of seeing this card <laughs> in about three weeks. Just like I was sick of Valakut, although it did get me a little bit of value in some trades. I was happy about that. That's good. good. Draga Warcaller is a 1-1 for one green. Elf Warrior. And it's a rare. That's a terrible card. Yeah. It's just, it's just a 1-1 one, one for like, one green. It's like a green oh, Amon's Goblin Raiders. Never mind. Oh, it has other abilities. Oh, oh okay. I thought it was all flavor text. It's got multi-kicker, one and a green. Draga Warcaller enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked. Other elf creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on Draga Warcaller, plus one, plus one. <laughs> oh, I just said that too many times. Yeah, yeah, plus one, plus one a little much. But yeah, this is a good card. Good card. It is. I mean, it's... I, this is one I'm a little more excited to have a bunch of copies of than Valakut. Right, I agree, except the artwork's terrible. Um, it just looks like it's fun, funny because it's Kev Walker, who's a great artist, I think, in most cases. But in this, something's wrong. With <laughs> I mean, like, like, it is terrible. Look the, at that. It's no, all fuzzy. No, no, no. It looks awful. But no, seriously, look at his arm. Like, what the hell's wrong with his proportions? Come on. <laughs> like, it's like Drago of Mark McGuire or something. Yeah. Like, I just did too many steroids and I have misshapen body parts. Maybe that's not what Mark McGuire looks like. But anyway, uh, something something just looks wrong with him. But on the real version, the artwork's good. So, oddly enough, Kev Walker uh, strikes out on that one. But Jiraga Warcaller, 
the thing that makes it interesting. No, don't play that. Come on. <laughs> Stop. That's exactly what I was thinking of, but don't play it. Anyway, Joe just brought up a video of a guy with misshapen muscles, which you don't need to hear because it's kind of pointless to hear it and not see it. Oh, you don't want to hear the music? All right, we had enough. So Drago Warcaller works great with Orin Reef the Basswood because it gives the elves that bonus with any plus one, plus one counters that happen to be on it. It doesn't have to be the ones you multi-kicked onto it when you played Jiraga Warcaller. Um, with Ranger of Eos, you can search them up. So, I mean, that's obviously, Ranger is not an elf, but that's just another synergy that you can do, another little combo bringing that up, searching up a Jiraga Warcaller with <coughs> Ranger of Eos. Joe is still playing the video. He just Tim hasn't it. seen it. I've okay. muted it. Well, that, that's all you need to see. This guy looks like an idiot. Okay, like, okay I'll fast forward to when he takes his shirt off. Okay, something's wrong with him. He's got like... <laughs> it looks like this guy got breast implants, shoulder implants, I don't know, back implants, and he just, uh, he looks terrible. Anyway, um, seriously, those are just, those are female breasts. We, got, we're going to post a link to this in the show notes as well, to this video. Okay. Because, I don't know. Um, well, it's our, it's our Jiraga Warcaller video. It's, okay. It's so disgusting. I don't know how people... <laughs> I'm telling you, those are that guy's got female breasts. No, those he well, he claims that it's totally natural. Okay. There's a bottle of like some sort of like muscle stuff. Um, See way. Yeah, there you go. Leatherback Bayloth is a four or five for three green. It's green, green, green. We've I think mentioned it in a couple episodes ago back when we uh, interviewed Lloyd uh, Frias, the Maryland State champion. Um, it's a solid card. It's vanilla four or five. Um, not much to say about it, but it says it says question mark for what its rarity. But it's but it's rare. I mean, it, it's uncom- it's an uncommon. You sure about that? You heard that? Every DCI, uh, what's a gateway? Uh-huh. Every a, gateway card okay. is an uncommon. They so it's probably that. an uncommon. I don't know why they would question it. And okay. the uh, flavor text on it is G G G baby baby baby. I think that's something that somebody else put in there. Oh. I actually really wish that uh, Room Claw Bears, uh-huh. uh, I really wish the flavor text on it was still number one threat, like it said on the spoiler list when they were talking oh. about it. I just thought that was so funny. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, let's move on. We only have a few cards left. Omnath, right? Omnath, Locus of Mana. He is a legendary creature, elemental. He's a mythic rare. He's 1-1. One, one. Did I say what he costs? I don't think. A green and two colorless. <laughs> this is a crazy weird card. It is extremely strange. Okay. This is this is a mythic. Yeah, this is a mythic. You know, Comet Storm is questionable. Right. This is a freaking mythic. Green mana doesn't empty from your mana pool as steps and phases end. Omnath Locus of Mana gets plus one, plus one for each green mana in your mana pool. It's crazy. So that is going to basically take a lot of keeping track of because it doesn't uh, green mana doesn't empty at the end of your turn either, so or the end of your opponent's turns. Basically, it's not gone until you use the mana. So potentially, every time you have an untapped land, you just tap it and add to his power toughness. You know, and you can just sit there, keep doing it, loading him up. I mean, he's going to be huge. But he dies to everything. So he's, he is terrible because he dies to everything. Because any creature that doesn't have Shroud or um, a way to deal with Wrath printed on it, then it's terrible. So um, <laughs> it's really just... It does seem a little bit like Lord of Extinction to me. 
it could be. Potential to get it, massive, but maybe not. Maybe a potential that doesn't get realized. Thing is, how but, much? I mean, there's definitely that extra ability to keep green mana in your mana pool, which may or may not or, be really insane. Or just to dump any of your unused mana at the end of your opponent's turn into him. Right, because yeah. here it is. You, on turn three, you play him. Yeah, I don't have any unused mana. I mean, assuming you have a normal curve and you didn't ramp up. Turn four, you have the option to make him a 5-5 five five and just sit there with a 5-5 five five on the table. Right, or just, you know, if you don't play any spells, he's already a 5-5 five five because you just tap four mana. Or... You know, just leave the four mana untapped, and if somebody decides they want a lightning bolt, then you just tap, add four to your mana pool, and that, that doesn't work. Then you have the four mana sitting there, right? Now it's turn five. You've got four mana in your pool. Turn five, you you play a land, and you've got five untapped lands and four mana in your pool. You've got nine mana to do whatever you want with. Like, if you want to play something, or you can tap that five, and now he's a 10-10. On turn five. Yes, yes, I agree. He dies to everything. I, mean, I was He's kidding about that. But... No, no, I'm just saying he is. You know, you got to deal with him though. Um, I think that the yeah, I can, think that the mana ramp is going easily. to be. I don't think he's ever going to attack though. Right. Uh, exactly. I mean, he's he's kind of like upwelling, but it's like it turn just... three. I'll play Omnath. Wait, is it? It's only you, or is it your opponent as well? Like it says, green mana from doesn't... your mana pool. Okay, so it doesn't even affect your opponent. So they don't get the benefit of if they're playing green. To be able to do this, so basically a mono green deck is going to just the turn after he's in play, or the you know if he's in play for a couple turns, it's pretty ridiculous. But you know Lotus Cobra, same thing can be ridiculous. There's there's things that are going to make the card ridiculous. I don't think he's going to be like super expensive or something, but it's just a really interesting card, and you really have to keep track of it, of how much mana is in your pool and how much you're losing. And it seems pretty skill-intensive as well. You have to decide, you know, should I place stuff that's in my hand or hold back to pump the guy? Right, exactly. Because what you'll do, you'll pass the turn, and then they'll go, all right, kill him. And then you're like, crap, I just spent my turn doing nothing. You know, they, they yeah. path to exile or terminate. They they spent their turn, or you, you as the player playing Omnath, spent your turn doing nothing, and they just killed your creature. They time-walked you. But, yeah, the thing with Lord of Extinction... It's very comparable, except that Lord of Extinction costs two more, right. and um, and I mean, requires, I think, more of a, a strategy based around them because he, you need cards in the graveyard. This guy's gonna get big right away, like the turn after you play him. But yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, it, it still it takes two turns worth of tapping mana to make him big. That's true. Yeah, you're you're right. He's it reminds me of Scoop Mob too. But as Joe said, I think if it's not even his size yeah. that is threatening. It's his ability I mean, that, to also bank mana. Basically, something that like there's not a comparable card that's ever been printed, right? Where you just right, you just sit there and bank mana. a lot of mana. I mean, you just. I, too good thing there's not a mono green ultimatum or something. There was you know? some. There was some stuff back in uh, in Kamigawa block that that, that had kind of a similar ability. Well, I can't what's, remember. What's the, the red card that's cumulative upkeep out of red to your mana? Great of Fire. of Fire. See, I guess that's the most. But that, but that, but but that. Empties at the end of your upkeep. Yeah, no, but just having a lot of mana. Yeah, just, right, right. But yeah, it's just gonna be an interesting card. It is a very interestingly designed card, I think, and um, it's exciting. It's and it is worthy of being mythic. I think because it's totally different than anything we've really seen. It reminds me, it's a creature with upwelling that only works for you and only for green mana. I don't know. It's neat. It's a neat card, I think. And I like. I'm curious to see what people do with it. Yeah. Turn three. <coughs> drop him. Turn four, tap out, swing with a five five, or yeah, tap out, swing with a five five, 
turn five, You've got play a mountain there. bane fire for nine, swing, you know, or, or, or attack first, swing, and bane fire. yeah, swing, and then empty your mana pool. Right. You swing with a ten, or uh, I guess it would be an eight eight, because you'd play the the fifth land. Uh-huh. Swing but with an eight eight, bane fire for nine. I mean, if he gets destroyed though. You spent two turns pumping mana into him, and then yeah, it just exactly. seems pretty. It leaves you vulnerable too. Right. I mean, if somebody you, you dedicate two turns to pumping him up, somebody kills it. That's a pretty big waste of mana and resources. Holding a right. vines of vastwood in your hand, waiting for someone to hit him. Yeah, it's almost like or, you need vines of the vastwood. Or equip him with that new enchantment. Right, canopy cover would yeah. work. You know, that's that's good. I mean. There's ways to play with him and make it ridiculous, but the thing, what are you going to do with all that mana? That's the thing. Bane it's all green. Besides, you know, you, you have to play a mountain. You have to splash for any other color, but I'm saying, no, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm I saying mean, it's good. You just got to figure out what to do with it. 24 red-green, if you had sets of each red-green duel, you could have 24 right. in your deck. Right. right. What are you talking about? Yeah. All the all the lands. Yeah, there's so there. many, like, red-green duels, like, so many allied duels that you could... Like, if you're playing two allied colors, you could play nothing but come into play tap duels that produce more colors. Right. Um, there's plenty of ways to splash other colors. I'm just saying, like, you can't get a cruel ultimatum off of it. Right. Or, or even, uh, you know, what, Titanic ultimatum or, or uh, what is it? What the hell's the the Naya one? That's Titanic. It is Titanic. Okay, it looks John. John is violent. That's what it is. I was trying yeah. to think of the one who's had three green in the mana pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's an interesting card. So uh, somebody out there break it and then send us a deck list. Damn right. Um, Vastwood Zendikon, we talked about. It's a green and four. It's an enchantment aura, enchant land, enchanted land. It's a 6-4 green elemental creature. It's still a land. When enchanted land is put into a graveyard, return that card to its owner's hand. Yep. Crawl so worm it, for it, five on a land that comes back to your the land comes back. Right, That's right. the next one. This is the end of the green section. Because all signs point to artifact theme sets coming up. It might not be Rise of the Eldrazi, but it's likely to be the fall set. Um, rumors seem to be taking us back to Mirrodin or Phyrexia. I'm looking forward to going back to either of those places if right. we are in fact doing so. Right, so we could get a very heavily artifact themed set. And Lodestone Golem is a forecasting cost 5-3 that says non-artifact spells cost one more to play. Is that one more to cast, mm-hmm. right? So obviously he's good against anything that's any spell that's not an artifact. But right now you can't really get away with playing heavy artifacts in standard. So yeah. he's not going to be. He's the only artifact spoiled so far. So yeah. So I mean, still, it's very unlikely that he's going to make any difference in the next few credit. months until we see what's in Rise of the Eldrazi and then uh, M11. And maybe not even then, maybe not until this October when we see the, the new set. So, uh, but I recommend uh, getting a, get a play set and hold on to it. I mean, don't trade high for them. They're, they shouldn't be valued very high at all. They might be a dollar card at the most. 
at the moment. I think that, but that's one that you kind of want to just get up, you know, scoop it up when it's really cheap and just hold on to it and see if it does anything. And at worst, if it does nothing, you know, if nobody ever uses it, you didn't really, you know, trade too highly for them or buy, you know, or spend too much money on them. But it's one of those kind of things. So we'll see. It's a 5-3 for 4. It's like Juggernaut. I mean, that's not terrible. Yes, we can get 5-4s for 3 now, but he can go in any deck. So I guess we'll see. Uh, now we're up to land. Mm-hmm. So we've got Celestial Colonnade, which we have mentioned before. It's a blue-white duel comes into play tapped, and for a blue, a white, and three more, it becomes a Sarah Angel, essentially, until end of turn. Pretty awesome. That is also the buy-a-box promo, so if you buy a box at your local store, if you pre-order it and they're not already out of the promos, you get one of these for free. It's an alternate art version, which I think the artwork on that is better than the artwork that looks like turds, in the, and I don't mean like turds, I just mean literally they look like little turds. Um, <laughs> yeah, see now uh, we move on to the next man land, which is, uh, or, well, that wasn't the next one. Okay, well then, well, get to that In terms of ABC second. order. Right, Dread Statuary, which uh, was one of the pooled spoilers. Um, it's a land uncommon, it doesn't come into play tapped or anything, but it, it you tap it to add one colorless to your mana pool. You can tap four colorless. And Dread Statuary becomes a 4-2 turd artifact creature <laughs> until end of turn. <laughs> I think it says Golem oh, artifact golem. creature. Golem. And, uh, it becomes a 4-2 artifact creature until end of turn. It's still a land, and it still looks kind of like it's made of turds. The problem is rocks kind of look like turds when they're in fantasy artwork, I think, or, or they, they have the potential to. And all these lands are like, we're made of rocks! We're made of rocks that look better, kind of tubular, cylindrical shapes, so we look like turds. I don't know. So, see, now the artwork on Celestial Colonnade's buy-a-box version doesn't look like that. But the uh, if you look at Celestial Colonnade on the visual spoiler, which we will link in the, uh, in the show notes, um, scroll all the way to the bottom, Celestial Colonnade is at the bottom right next to Jace. And it looks like turds. And then we have Quicksand, which is a... We skip Lava uh, not, Claw Reaches. Oh, I'm sorry. Lava Claw Reaches. Let's go to that then. It's a, it's a black-red dual land that comes into play tapped. And for a black, a red, and a colorless, it becomes a 2-2 creature until end of turn. It's a red and black elemental, and it has X, pay X. This creature gets plus X, plus zero until end of turn. Mm-hmm. It's still land. So it's kind of like a colorless fire breathing. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for five mana, Celestial Colonnade gives you a 4-4 flying vigilant creature. This, for five mana, gives you a 4-2. Until end of turn. Just a 4-2, land, doesn't fly, doesn't have vigilance. For, for, for it, four mana, you're getting a 3-2. Dread Statuary, you pay four for a 4-2. Right, exactly. So it seems worse than Dread Statuary. Yes, it has the potential to be bigger because it does say X. So technically you could pump all of your, what is it, Omnath mana into it or something and uh, attack with two huge... Well, actually, Omnath wouldn't be huge anymore because you'd spent it on Lava Claw Reaches. But <laughs> anyway, it just doesn't seem that great. It's fine, it's just not... As good as But you know what? I'm kind of glad that if there's got to be one bad one, it's got to be one of the ones that fits in Jund. Yeah, that's true. I think um, the fact that mainlands are coming back makes Comet Storm a little more uh, valuable. That's true. Because it'll cover... It's a good point. You know, it'll kill stuff that Wrath won't kill, and the other Red Sweeper won't kill. That is a really so, good point um, I didn't think about. So Yeah, neither did I. Right. Seems like it'll be a good tool for Red to uh, take care of some of these lands. Exactly. Great point. I started to say quicksand. This isn't confirmed. In fact, a lot of these 
most of these are confirmed because Wizards has done a great job of keeping tight-lipped on the spoilers, but um, we're looking, just to give credit where credit is due, uh, this is the uh, MTG Salvation spoiler feed that we're looking at, um, and this card, Quicksand, is a reprint, and people uh, seem to think it's in the set. Well, based on the Orb of Insight. Based off of the Orb of Insight, that's what I was going to say. Um, apparently, this seems to fit the words and... Um, and the numbers seem to come up. So quicksand is a land. You can tap it to add one colorless. It's an uncommon. Is that right? Or is it a common? It's an uncommon. Um, sacrifice. Where you tap it, sacrifice quicksand. Target attacking creature without flying gets minus one, minus two until end of turn. Eh, it's kind of cheap colorless removal. You can use it against the core firewalker if they're dumb enough to attack with it, right? You can use, you can use it against the core firewalker. Yeah. There you, that's, that, yeah, that's there you exciting. go. That's something I hadn't thought of at all. All right, well, hopefully... If you're playing Core Firewalker and they have Quicksand, don't attack. Just hide it under your mountains. Yeah, <laughs> or just hide that. Like, yeah. You don't want to attack into it. That's what I'm saying. Don't yeah, I'll play. I'll play Quicksand. Go. <laughs> like, right, right. Quicksand. Play, just say play land. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and then lastly, which was just spoiled today, we have Raging Ravnica. No, Raging Ravine. You want to read this one, Joe? Yeah. He looks so excited. He's over there, like <laughs> drooling to his beard. Raging um, Ravine enters the battlefield tapped. <laughs> Tap to add red or green to your mana pool. Two and a red and a green. I shouldn't until, have let him read this. <laughs> until end of turn, Raging Ravine becomes a 3-3 three, three red and green elemental creature with whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It's still a land. By the time he finished reading it, he was like, what was it at the beginning again? So yeah, it's a 3-3 three, three, three friggin' turd that gets counters on it whenever it attacks. It looks like a cascade of turds ah, coming down yeah. the mountain. Yeah, so so yeah, this is the red-green man land. It's rare, um, and it costs a red and a green and two to activate it to make it a 3-3 three, three until end of turn. But the thing is, it gets a plus one, plus one counter for every time it attacks. So you attack with it immediately to 4-4. So they four. activate it. Right. Attack. Declare attack, you bolt it. <laughs> right, you have to bolt it in response, exactly. You have to, In yeah. response to the trigger that it would get the counter. But obviously, if they don't bolt it, you have a 4-4 four, four attacking. Then at the end of turn, you're, it becomes a land again, or it stays a land, but it loses its creature. But it still keeps the counter. So the next turn, you activate it again, and you swing, and it's a 4-4, four, four, and immediately becomes a 5-5, five, five, unless it's killed beforehand. But, you know, it, it gets the plus one, plus one counter. So every time you attack with it, it's getting bigger and bigger. And just because it it loses the uh, the type creature at the end of your turn doesn't mean it loses its counters. So that's a pretty interesting land, too. I think that's... Uh, I'm not as excited about it as I am about Celestial Colonnade, but I think it's still good. Um, well, I would I would hit refresh on the spoiler page to make sure they didn't. I did. They didn't spoil any new cards in the uh, five hours we spent. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I I did I did hit refresh and and they didn't. So so um so that's all the spoilers we have right now. Um, I think I have to get going, so that's why I'm kind of trying to move things along. Right. Um, I just wanted to mention before I go, um, the two articles, uh, or they were blog posts. One was on GatheringMagic.com. The article or the post is called A Call to End the Reserve List. Uh, basically, he makes a good point about the reserve list, which, if you don't know, is a list of cards Wizards created to appease collectors back you know, back in the late 90s. Like when Chronicles came out. Yeah, right. when Chronicles came out. So it was like the mid-90s. When Chronicles came out, it was a set of reprints 
and it reprinted a lot of cards that had, at the time, some value to them. And suddenly the value just completely dropped because uh, there were these cards were reprinted. And so um, a lot of collectors got really frustrated with that because their $30 cards suddenly became $3 cards, and that upset a lot of people. So uh, Wizards decided to announce that you know we will create this thing called the reserve list, and everything that's on it, will never be reprinted again in uh, you know functionally identical form and um, you know except for maybe promotional things but not in a set uh, or anything like that so that has now it's now been over 10 years since they created it they, they stopped adding things to it at the time I think they basically created the list and I think they they went a little nuts with it they, they did go I think at the time they had added a bunch of stuff I don't really know how they I don't know the timeline of it. I don't know how much they added after it was created, but they stopped it at some point, like Urza Saga block, maybe. Might might, yeah. I think it's Saga block might have been the last set that had anything on the reserved list. I could be wrong. I think you're right. It might be Mercadian Masks, but I'm pretty sure it's Saga. I'm pretty sure block. it's Saga. So, um, and it's not every card that was printed. It's just certain cards, and some of them are ridiculous. Like I don't well, want that ever. Reprinted. There's like 50 Fallen Empires cards on there. Right, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like some cards, they have no reason to be on there. Actually, most of the list, I'd say probably a good 90, 95% of the list is kind of pointless. Like yep. nobody would really want them if they're reprinted. They don't have any value now, so they're not going to lose. They don't have any value to lose. Right. In fact, if they somehow were played again in standard, they'd probably gain value. So anyway... Yeah, people would be happy to see them come back. Yeah. They, just, should change the, they should change the list to like 30 or 40 cards, I think. Right, exactly. Or just do away with the list entirely and just don't print anything that's not they shouldn't print. Like I think it's just it's old. Uh, it's power, it's power nine, obviously. right. Well, they don't need to put the power nine on a list to just not reprint it. They just don't reprint it. Right. You know. I mean, there's stuff like Force of Will and like Phyrexian Dreadnought, which have kind of I guess went up in value as collectibles. Right. Um, people probably wouldn't want to see reprinted. Stuff like that I think would be a good idea, but when there's like 50 to 100 cards from like each set that are, I mean, a lot of commons and uncommons. Yeah, and the thing, I guess, to me, it's like they don't, just ending or deleting or whatever, doing away with the reserve list doesn't mean they have to print anything. They could just still never, ever print anything that's on the reserve list. That's just fine. Mm -hmm. But they don't, just doesn't need to exist. I think it's just... It's obsolete, and most cards that have value now are cards that are played, not cards that that just were printed and aren't played. Like you know, you look at standard Baneslayer Angel is expensive because people play it, and you know it's that kind of thing. Cards that are good and are worthy of playing. So it just doesn't seem like it's it's really necessary anymore. I guess I don't care because really, what does it matter to me if they I mean, never you're not any of, any of those cards right. to sell at any point in the future anyway? Right. I don't, I don't care. Think most people are. Right. I don't really care too much. Uh, I don't think they're ever going to reprint like the Power Nine. So you don't need to be worried they're going to suddenly print Black Lotus as a common in the next set. You know, but I just think it's not necessary. And this article kind of goes into detail about that. So go to GatheringMagic.com uh, and take a look for that article. It's, like I said, it's called. A call to end the reserve list. Um, another blog post I wanted to mention is on wrongwaygoback.com. That's wrongwaygoback.com. And uh, this one is called Full Art Whenever Possible. The idea is just that, you know, we've gotten these full art Zendikar lands, 
and they look fantastic, and, and they're great to play with, and there's really no reason to even take up half of the card just for a text box that's empty, <laughs> so why not always print the lands like that? But this takes it a step further and says, why not print all the cards with as big an art box as possible? Because we have things such as Baneslayer Angel, which has flying first strike and protection from demons and dragons, oh, and lifelink. And those things are abilities that we've seen for years, and they can kind of reduce those to icons. They can have like a wing to represent flying, and a claw to represent, or you know, a sword to represent first strike, and a, and a uh, you know, some kind of symbol for lifelink. He uses a plus sign, kind of like the medical symbol. But I mean, you, you, you don't need to take up space with words. Probably no symbols. harder for a newer player to learn by symbols than by. Code words. Exactly. Not, and you could even have illiterate people be able to play magic. That's true. Not only do I, and, and you would be able to read the cards regardless of what language they were in. That's true, too. It, it's um, a universal, like, you know, it's like a simple... The thing, they would still have to be printed in multiple languages because something like protection from demons and dragons wouldn't wouldn't be of able course. to be illustrated in a symbol. But the thing is, for a lot of cards, you know, the text box could be so much smaller. He uh, says that maybe you should go do away with flavor text because... Really, the artwork seems to be more important than the flavor text, in his opinion, in my opinion, I also agree. Uh, flavor text is neat. I like flavor text, every once but in I while like flavor, artwork better. Yeah, every time, every once in a while, flavor text can be really funny. Right. But you read it once a lot of times, and it's kind of like, huh, flavor text, great. And then you just never read it again. But how many times are you looking at a, you know, a Bane Slayer angel and going, wow, I like that. It looks cool. Or Brutemate Dragon. I like that artwork, you know? It doesn't hurt that the examples that he showed in that blog post mm -hmm. are beautiful. Yes, yeah, so he, he it looks, photoshopped some examples. It looks so cool. I'm like, man, if our cards looked like that, like it would be the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just seems like a great idea. So wrongwaygoback.com, the post is called Full Art Whenever Possible. Um, I suggest go ahead and check it out. It's really interesting. Um, both of those posts aren't very long, so they're not going to take you forever to read. And uh, I think that's all we wanted to, or at least all I wanted to mention in this episode. I'm good. Good, Tim? I, um, I don't know. I mean, we've only been recording for two hours and 45 minutes. Wow. I think that, uh, why can't we drag it out a little bit? Do you want to, um, do you want to, like, talk about, like, some of, like, things we've been doing lately, like, with our time, like, would you like to, um, have a discussion about, like, uh, your favorite kind of bread, for instance? I use ancient short... grains bread. Uh, ancient that, grains. That's what it's called. I know, I know, I made fun of it before, uh... That's right, you were there when I bought it. I was there when you bought it, <laughs> right, but I also saw some at my friend's house the other day. Oh, that's funny. I was like, ancient grains, I was like, check the date on that. <laughs> I was like, check the date on that, make sure it's still good. Um, so, yeah, so... Uh, we've kept Joe from packing to move for a very long time now, and he's putting his jacket on. Yep. He's working on getting out of here as quick <laughs> as like, he can. I'm going to be like, all sudden. right, bye, and then just roll out and walk out the door. It's not back. a bad strategy. Uh, if you're still tuned in, <laughs> Christ, thanks for sticking around. Joe hopefully will cut out some of this so it's not that long. Yeah, but I'm just... You I might like, need to break it into parts. We're going to break it up probably somehow, some way. I'll figure out. I'll just keep coming up with funky-ass edits like every single day. Yay. All right. And thanks, Tim, for joining us in our discussion of everything we discussed. I enjoyed seeing what it feels like to have nothing better to do on a Monday than talk about magic. <laughs> hey. Thank you, Dr. Kim. All right. Later. Bye.